All right, let's turn to John chapter 1, please. Thank you. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We, we uh, talked for a couple of weeks on what I call discerning the voice of God in your life. And I think today is going to be kind of a summation and, uh, of that and quite possibly the most important um, thing we could learn about God's voice in our own life. And so we looked at the fact that a couple of things. Number one, just because I'm born again, I automatically have the, not only the right, but the capability to hear what God is saying to me on a personal, on a personal level. Because um, there is no, you know, Gospel of Jordan or Book of Jordan or no Book of Daniel. Oh, wait, there is one of those. But there's no Daniel Ranger book. You know, Joel, look at you. What are you guys doing in here, your, your Bible names? But uh, Book of Joel, you, you guys got it made. You can turn to the Book of Daniel and say, oh, this is what I need to do. But the rest of us don't. There is no book of Jordan. I can't say, you know, you know, uh, Jordan chapter 4, verse 7, on May the whatever it is, 2014, you need to da-da-da-da-da. So we need to hear from God on a personal level. But let, let me say this. Now, Romans chapter 8, a really important verse, says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And really what that verse is, that verse is a statement of fact. So that verse is saying if you're a son or daughter of God, if you're a child of God, then we have the leadership of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us in our new nature. Aren't you glad? I mean, I thank God for the leadership of the Lord um, in our life. And, you know, we looked at there, there are so many spectacular ways. Um, you know, for me, a lot of times, and I've shared this, but we'll just kind of go rehearse some of this. There, there's, there's been times for me when, when God speaks in really, like, spectacular, sensational, supernatural ways. Um, God can speak to us in lots of ways. Um, dreams, visions, He can just give you revelation. You ever had God just, like, like, by revelation, something explodes in your spirit? And it took God about half a second to get it to you, but it takes you six months to, to where you can say it the right way. You know what? That's revelation. God can speak to us that way. God can speak to us, and, uh, he, and He can speak to us through people. Uh, he, there's just lots of, uh, of ways He can do it, and, and I recommend finding the sweet spot. That's just what I called it, and um, where, wherever. For me, there's been seasons where God would talk to me in the shower. You know, don't know why. Don't care why. He just did. I don't know. Maybe cleanliness really is next to godliness. You know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, then there were, there were a few years where I would hear from the Lord uh, more times than anywhere else on my way to work in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, I had, had a lot of good times with that. Um, there's been times like, for me, I've also learned this. I hear from the Lord more times than not, really when, I don't ex when I'm not thinking about it, when I'm not trying to hear Him, when I'm not expecting it. I'm just minding my own business and, you know, oh, hey, by the way, yes, sir, you know, and then He just kind of dropped something on me there. I like that. There's no pressure. There's, you know what I mean? There's none of that. Um, I think it really helps the whole um, 
finding your own vein, your own sweet spot. Um, for me, a lot of the teaching that I've heard, like on prayer and on uh, marriage and then on like hearing the voice of God, a lot of times it can do more harm than it does good. You know what I mean? That's, that happens a lot of times. And because the pre, this, you know, so-and-so preacher says, this is how you hear from God, and then you go do that and it doesn't work for you and you're so frustrated you want to put your head through a wall. And then I didn't do it right, or I didn't do it sincerely enough, or I didn't do it enough times, or I didn't do it with enough faith, or what's wrong with me? I must have sin, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? Just tur- turning things into a formula is something that we don't really ever want to do um, because God's a real person, and he's, he's relational. Um, but, you know, again, you can find that kind of sweet spot. And I, and I shared this with you, too, and I'll say this again. For me... Uh, one of the times I definitely hear from the Lord, uh, for me, is, is when I worship. Uh, most people that I've talked to or that I've heard talk about this, let me say it that way, uh, spirit-filled people say that they usually hear God speak to them when they're spending some like 10 minutes, 15 minutes now or whatever, just some time, uh, specific time to, uh, praying in tongues. I don't hear God seldom ever, probably one or two, three times just in my own personal me and him time when I speak in tongues, when I'm spending time praying in tongues. Um, I usually hear from the Lord in a time like that if I'm just worshiping. For me, when I, when I worship the Lord myself, I usually do it without any music, and I just, I just let my heart. You know what happens? It happens in the same way at church. Uh, I call it private worship. That's just what I call it. So like in church, we have a corporate or a public worship here. Uh, but for me, when I'm at private worship at home, it's kind of the same way. We start to worship, you know, we, we close, some of us do, I do usually, we, we'll close our eyes, and then we'll lift those hands, and I'll say, I love you, Jesus, I love you, what am I going to have for lunch today, hallelujah, Jesus, you are so good to me, oh man, I got to get up early for the kids tomorrow, hallelujah, uh, amazing grace, how sweet though, what am I, when am I, oh yeah, that's right, I got to do laundry, sound, that's saved, oh, you know what I mean, it's like, it's so easy to do that, oh, don't look at me in that tone, you do it too, now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just part of being a human. So, like, I, I try to make my mind come under subjection, though, and actually, um, because my spirit's in communication with God, whether I feel it or not, all, all day, every day, forever, my spirit has direct, uh, unrestricted, undefiled, pure, perfect uh, relationship and access with God, but I want my soul and my body to be able to experience that as well. So, I bring... All the rest of my being under subjection to him, I quiet my mind. And for me, that helps me a lot of times to where I can just tune into God's frequency and hear what he's saying to me. Are you out there? All right. But today I want to look at this, and, and or at least I plan to, to look at the Word of God. And, you know, we, we can never overemphasize the importance of God's Word. Absolutely never. Um, I know today, you know, I had a lady call me when I worked at Brother Norville's ministry. It's probably been three or four years ago. I had a lady call me, and uh, she called me and was talking, and she said, you know, God tells me a lot of stuff that's not, that's not in line with the Bible. I said, oh, praise the Lord. Good for you, you old flaky thing, as Norville would say. <laughs> um, and so she, and she told me that, and she, and she told me, she said, I've told that to other people, and when I tell them that, they don't, they don't agree with me. And I'm not going to lie to her. You know, I just said, well, I don't either. I, I believe, you know, God is, is, speaks in accordance with his word. 
Um, I had a pastor, a, a former pastor, uh, tell me recently that he thinks that if, if Jesus was talking to us in person today to the church at large, that it wouldn't sound anything like the Bible. And I'm thinking, are, are you drunk? I mean, yeah, there are some, cult, some cultural differences. We understand that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Paul addressed things in the epistles culturally that we wouldn't really have to deal with today. But as far as, you know, truths like, what it, take your pick, saved by grace through faith, by believing in Jesus, or healing belongs for everyone, or what, it, you know, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The, these things aren't going to change. There, there's no new message. You understand? There's no new gospel. God's not going to... Um, I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre to me that, and to me, that's not restrictive. That's not a negative thing. I've heard people boast in how, I've heard them say it, that they, uh, that I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but basically I've heard multiple people say something to the effect of, I, I am thrilled that I don't have to limit my walk with God to the Bible. And I'm thinking, you've not read this book then. Or like Smith Wigglesworth said, you're not reading it with Holy Ghost glasses on because there is nothing boring about the Word of God. Amen. All right? God is real and living and exciting. And for me, if there is no, you know, I heard I'd been saved for a few months, and I heard Norval Hayes, Brother Norval, I heard Brother Norval on a tape say this. He said, you can't just, as a Christian, you can't just believe any old thing that you want to. You need to believe what the Bible teaches. And that's so simple and so foundational. But that was the first time I'd ever heard that. It flipped my wig, man. I thought, really? Is that right? <laughs> you know, like, wow, that's okay. And that's when I started to get it. The Word of God is the foundation. It's, it's, it's the, it sets the perimeters for what, what is correct, you know, an incorrect belief system. Amen. Um, and so for me, it helps me that the Word of God is, is the basis or the foundation or the standard for truth. And for me, I'll tell you, that's one thing. Uh, there's, there are multiple things, like with healing. Um, I, I've been healed. I've, I've received healing or experienced supernatural physical healing in my body on several occasions. And then there's been times where I endeavored to receive, and I didn't. But to me, the, the Word of God is always going to say, by His stripes I was healed. And so... To me, it's not really up for vote. It's I don't have to me. It's just kind of. Well, maybe it's maybe it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Maybe sometimes it's his will. Maybe it's not because the word never changes. You know what I mean? And then like for supernatural provision and prosperity, the word of God. I mean, it's just over and over again. He supplies all my needs. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. I mean, we could just go down the the list of scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture of how God wants to provide for us. So. No matter what some new religious doctrine says or some new fad says or some well-known preacher says, if the Word of God is abundantly clear, line upon line, uh, uh, in context, over and over again, then we can just take it to the bank that God wants to be our provider. No pun intended. Amen? Well, maybe a little bit. All right? So, and then, like, for me, like with grace, you know, to me, there, there were two things that really helped me with grace. And, and, and when God started opening my eyes to grace. And that's number one. I can read. I can read the Word of God, and it's there. And I, it doesn't matter how loud somebody froths at the mouth and calls it a new doctrine of the devil, and it's one of the last end-time deceptions or greasy grace, whatever they want to call it. The problem is, unless God rewrites the book, it's in there. And we're just going to have to face it and deal with it and not try to, you understand what I'm saying, sweep it under the carpet because it makes some people uncomfortable. 
It's the same thing with faith. You know, it's, it's in the book. <laughs> so unless God rewrites the book, I'm going to believe in the power of faith, and I'm going to believe in his abundant, extravagant grace. Are you out there? All right. Hallelujah. So all of that to say, <laughs> today I do want to emphasize and look at the importance of God's word, uh, starting here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Now, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was with God, in the, uh, excuse me, the same was in the beginning with God. I'm talking about Jesus here, if you, if you don't know. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So in, the, so in this these first three verses here, John is emphasizing the, the fact that Jesus, in eternity past, is God. So, so we're identifying with the Trinity. Look again here, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, the Word was with God. So in other words, Jesus, as God in eternity's past, was uh, as much deity as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So, and this isn't really something to nitpick about, um, but there is the teaching, that, or the, the, it's not even really a teaching, uh, but you hear from time to time, they say, God the Father's the first member of the, the Trinity, God the Son's the second member, and God the Holy Spirit's the third member. And I get the point, uh, for, by and large, but I, I like to make sure that we don't leave the impression that God the Son, who is supposedly the second member of the Godhead, is somehow a little less deity he somehow you understand and then the holy spirit he's the he's he's even less than the top two in in some way of course that's not true they, they are all tri equal in deity and divinity and in their godship i don't even know if that's a word but it is now hallelujah all right are you out there all right now verse 2 once again the same was in the beginning with god verse 3 all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made now, in Genesis chapter 1, and I'm not going to turn there. You can if you want to, but I'm not. You know, the Scripture says that in the beginning was God. And so that's the Trinity. And I love it when, we st when the first one, two, and three verses there, when we step into creation, we look at how God created. God stepped out, and what did God do? God, okay, that was good, amen, said, let there be light. So think about that. God is the Word. All right, so Jesus is, is the, in the book of Revelation, there's other verses, 1 John chapter 1, uh, the book of Revelation says uh, his name, Jesus, is the word of God. So this is a pattern, a consistent pattern in the New Testament that Jesus is the word of God. And I like that, by the way. So you, there, there's so many things you can, we can take out of that. But so, so what is God saying to humanity? Jesus, because Jesus is the word of God. Uh-huh. Amen? Yeah, boy, I like that. So, like Hebrews chapter 1 says that, and starting in verse 1, says that God, who at various times and in different manners spoken to our fathers in times past by the prophets, in these last days, He's spoken unto us by His Son. So Jesus, Bill Johnson says this, it's so good. Bill Johnson said that Jesus Christ is perfect theology. That lights my fire. <laughs> that is milk on my Cheerios, man. Think about that. Jesus Christ is 
perfect theology. And I say it all the time. The only way that we can accurately discern the character and nature of God is through the person of Jesus. Now, the law did not reveal God. The law, Romans chapter 3, revealed sin. Okay? But Jesus came and revealed who God is. All right? So, on a day-to-day consistent basis, what does God think about me? How does God feel about me? And at its core, the answer is always the same. Jesus. That's, that's his response to me. That's what he thinks about me. That's how he feels about me. Jesus. All right? Now, turn with me here to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at a few verses here. You know, and, and like, well, things concerning like the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is it for everyone? Yes. Is salvation for everyone? Yes. Is healing for everyone? Yes. Is, is provision and prosperity for everyone? Yes. You know as well as I do, your emotions seldom uh, back that up. <laughs> Your emotions and your thoughts and your experience, if nothing else, doesn't validate that or back that up. But, you know, for me, it's not something like for me, I don't try to be like a dogmatic jerk about it. I don't try to be. But it, it, it again, it always comes down to the issue of God's word. And the word never changes. Um, my dad has walked in uh, divine health for probably about some 30 years now. I remember him being sick, uh, let's see here, once. I remember him being sick one time. Um, But there was another time I wasn't there at the house. He was at the house by himself. And I don't know if he was in the garage or out in the yard, but his the garage where he would have been working at, there's it opens up and it's right next to he's got a big yard there, to the yard there. And dad got sick with whatever. And uh hit him. And he starts getting dizzy and nauseous and spinning and all this stuff. And so dad walks out, walks out into the yard there. And before he knows it, he's on the ground on his stomach crawling because he's so, he's so dizzy and he's so sick and hot and fevery and all that. And it hits him. And he's crawling. And if I remember right, he crawled himself into the house. A lot of fun, right? <laughs> so he crawled himself in there. And so dad starts to pray. And he's starting to talk, talk to the Lord about it. And dad tries to get the Lord to give him a pity party. <laughs> you ever been there? Of course not. So he's, you know, he's saying, Lord, what's going on here? And, you know, you know how we do, especially if you've been given a really good religious legalistic background. You start thinking, oh, I have an unconfessed sin. Oh, I kicked the dog. I forgot to confess it. Oh, I'm, I don't like Daniel's haircut. I've, I'm harboring a critical spirit. I did something, you know. And we start that, that sin witch hunt. But he's in there begging God for a pity party. And the Lord starts talking back to him. And the Lord says, what's my word say? And, the, and dad told the Lord, I don't want to hear what your word says. I'm sick. Just make me feel better. And the Lord says to him, what's my word say? And I think dad goes two or three rounds with him. And then he finally says, that by your stripes I'm healed. And the Lord, that, that, I don't even know. If the, I mean, that was about the end of it. He, dad finally, obviously the Lord knew what his word said. And so he finally put dad, you know, in remembrance of what his word says. Am I making sense or not? Okay. 
You're allowed to smile and respond or do something. Um, but, but, you know, to me, think about that. A hundred different people w- could, could give a hundred different explanations for why healing didn't happen to me. And, and the vast majority of the time, it, you know, it, 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 it's, it wasn't his will. I opened the door. Most of the world's going to say it's not his will or it's not always his will or something like that. But thank God, you know, for dad, he had a solid foundation. And the Lord, now what did the Lord speak to him? His word. God spoke, the, imagine that. God spoke what his word says. So what to me, and, and that's, I don't even think about it. That's just, that's just nature to me, second nature to me. If I think or feel like God says something to me or someone is speaking to me and claiming that it's God, I always just, not in some critical way, but I just always think the word. What's the word say? I don't care how much zeal they said it with. I don't care how many tears and, and, and what I perceive to be, you know, they were in the Spirit. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. What's the Word say? I don't care how passionate they said it, how loud they said it, how many tears fell when they said it. I, whether it's preaching, whether it's a personal prophecy to me, whether it's a, a public prophecy, a private prophecy, a prophecy to America, I always go by the Word. Amen. And we need to solidify. And for me, that's one, like with with God's grace, I'm so strong and passionate about it, is because I see it so clearly in the Word. It doesn't matter what big-name preacher speaks out against it. The biggest big-name preacher I know is Jesus. And His Word is very clear about His grace. Amen. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1, look here in verse 22. Excuse me, verse 23. He says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So think about that. He says we are born again by the word of God. So let me say it this way. My new nature thinks like God's word reads. Does that make sense? My new nature, your new nature as a born again person, only agrees with God's word. So the new nature on the inside of us does not believe in defeat. The new nature on the inside of us does not agree with it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. It's His will sometimes and sometimes it's not. The, the Word of God, the, 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 which we are born of, I hope, I hope I'm saying that clear enough. My new nature thinks like His Word reads. They are 100, 100% compatible. Amen? All right? So, it's our head, and we know the Scriptures teach us repeatedly about the importance, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, and many other places, about the importance of renewing our mind. And let me tell you, that's really what the, you know, the parable that Jesus gave in the Gospel of Luke about the unjust judge? The parable of the unjust judge, the unjust judge is our mind. And that parable is about bringing our, our soul, our, th- our, our thoughts, our emotions, and our will, bringing it into subjection to what God's truth is. So in the parable, Jesus said that the, the woman cried out day and night, avenge me of my adversary, avenge me of my adversary, avenge me. She cried more, she cried louder. And then finally, the unjust judge who didn't regard God or man, finally, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you know the story, who basically said, my God, if you'll just shut up, I'll give you what you want. I'm tired of hearing about it. Here you go. 
That, that's, what that's saying there is that if we continually present our soul with the, the unshakable, unchangeable, absolute, uh, resolute, solid truth of God's Word, at some point our soulish realm will have to subject itself and submit itself to the higher truth of God's Word. So, so God's Word says, I'm healed. My body and my brain say, you don't feel healed, <laughs> but I keep presenting, my, my, my spirit believes that I'm healed, but my brain hasn't got the memo yet. But if I continually present my soul, my, my mind and my thoughts, my emotions with the truth, the evidence of God's word, eventually he doesn't have a choice but to submit to and agree with that higher truth of God's word. Amen. And it's important that that happens because we are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. My spirit is, is, is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so my body is the only thing that, that, that really gives me. We're dual citizens. You understand? We're citizens of, uh, on planet Earth. We're legal citizens here. And we're at Ephesians chapter 2 says we're citizens of the household of God. And then he says, the whole family of God who is named in heaven and in earth. So on this side of it, while we're still in this body, we need our body and our soul to agree with what our spirit agrees with if we're going to experience it. Does that make sense? Glad to hear it. All right. Now, turn with me here. Excuse me. That was verse 23. Let's just read the next two verses here. He says, for all flesh is as grass, 1 Peter 1, 24, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower uh, thereof falls away. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord or the word of God endures forever. Whew, I like that. And this is the word which by the good news is preached unto you. Turn to the next verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 1, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies, and all evil speakings, verse 2. This is so good. He's addressing them like they're babies. Verse 2. As newborn babes in the Spirit. They were newly, new converts, in other words. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Huh, I like that. And then the next verse, just for good measure. If so, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I like that. That just... That's, that's the uh, cool whip on my pie. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. So he's saying there that we are born by the Word of God and that our spirit is compatible with God's Word. And then he says that that's how we grow, by continually feeding on the milk of God's Word. Amen. And now Hebrews chapter 4. You know, I was trying to think... Um, I, you know, I know for me, I, I mentioned last week, I come out of uh, a mainline, you know, word of faith background for the most part. And in, and, and I am very much so a believer in, in much of the word of faith, uh, like Mark 11, 23, Romans 10, 17, and uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, lots of other places, nonetheless. Uh, but in the word of faith vein that I came from, there's a tendency to, to like, if you get sick, it's, it's, it's almost like you don't want to admit it because you feel embarrassed, like you don't have enough faith. 
or you feel embarrassed because you must have sinned and let the door open and you did something wrong. So, so there's this thing of there's such an emphasis on faith that if anything bad ever happens to me, it's because I didn't have enough faith. And that's tragic, and that's wrong. Amen. We shouldn't have that mindset. At the same time, we shouldn't back off of the truth of, of the power of faith, all right, as we exercise faith. And let me just say this while we're in this vein of thought here. Please don't miss this. Uh, faith is not just mentally agreeing with God. Are you, you, you know what I'm saying? Now, faith, by definition, from the Greek and the New Testament, the Greek word is pistis, or that's how I say it. I don't know how <laughs> maybe you would actually say it. Uh, and it just means, again, a conviction of truth. So faith is not merely mentally agreeing, although that's where it starts. It starts with, uh, like Ephesians chapter 4, Paul mentions, until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So faith starts with knowledge, all right? Now, so again, as we've said, my new nature agrees with God's Word. Have you ever experienced this? I know for me, like I have, I don't know, like, like in my heart, I sort of caught a glimpse of something in the things of God. But I never heard anyone say it. I never heard a sermon about it. I, I kind of saw it in the Word, but I couldn't put words to it. And then maybe six months later, some guy comes into town and he preaches it. And I say, aha, that's it. That's what I, you know, it's, you hear it for the first time, but it's like you've already heard it before. It's because you're, again, it's because your spirit already knew that. Our spirit already agrees with the Word of God. And really, our spirit, I believe, has tasted things that our mind doesn't even have a clue about yet. Are you following me? I hope so. All right. Um, but let me, let me say a few things here. I, I was thinking yesterday about um, the, the times for me that I have experienced uh, physical healing in my own body. Um, so I, I, was, I was thinking the first time that I ever remember receiving supernatural healing, I must have been uh, somewhere around seven, eight, nine years old. I'm not, I'm not exactly certain. Had a really bad sore throat out playing with my uh, friends all day right up the road from my parents' house. Um, and came home, was exhausted and hadn't really ate maybe more than breakfast and uh, was playing 100 miles per hour and just kind of forgot to eat. Still do that sometimes. And then come home, drag myself in. They give me dinner and my throat was hurting so bad I couldn't eat it. Then they gave me ice cream so I would eat something. And I tried to eat the ice cream, and it hurt so bad I couldn't eat it, and I started to cry. And so Dad and my stepmom, Karen, took me back into their bedroom and prayed for me. And I walked out, and I don't, I don't remember, I didn't feel anything that I recall. I, like, as much as I can remember, I didn't feel any, uh, the presence of the Lord. I didn't feel the, the healing anointing. I didn't get goosebumps or chill bumps or any other bumps. Uh, the wind of the Spirit didn't part my hair. I mean, nothing, man. I didn't feel a thing. But I walked out of there, and my throat didn't hurt anymore. I mean, that was just, it was gone. It was awesome, by the way. I'd recommend it highly, okay? And so uh, that's the first time I remember experiencing supernatural healing. Uh, I think the next time I remember was the night that I got saved. And, of course, I was a cocaine addict, but I was a heavy opiate addict. And opiate withdrawals are some of the worst. And so the Lord... Uh, 
just as soon as he saved me, also healed my body. So I, was, I didn't even ask him for it. It never crossed my mind. He just did it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but I was thinking about since then some other times that I've received healing. And I remember one day when I was in, in, in Bible college, uh, there was a, one of the staff members there is a wonderful man of God. He pastors a church in Houston now. His name's Adam, Pastor Adam Glazner. And I had an ear infection, and it was starting to hurt, you know, and like throb and hurt really bad in class. And so um, I asked Pastor Adam if he'd pray for me in class there, and he prayed for me. And about an hour later, the ear infection and earache was totally gone. And so that was nice. Um, let's see here. One day, I've shared this with you guys. I was at work, and uh, to me, what felt like the flu started to come on me, and I was um, at the, they worked out of a home, but I was there at the house at work by myself. At least I think I was by myself. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, that thing got on me, and it was probably about 15 minutes into it, and I was sitting at my desk working on QuickBooks, and I just finally, you know, you start getting hot. And it's just that clammy hot, and your stomach's starting to turn, and, and the hot and cold chills. And I finally just had to put my head down like this. And I, I may have actually said it. I'm really bad to talk to myself. Um, and, and I thought or said something to the effect of, man, I'm just, I got to go home. I got to get out of here. And I leaned back and started, uh, you know, lifted my head up and leaned back in my chair and was getting real dizzy and grabbed my bag and was getting ready to get out of there. And then just, Faith just rose up within me, just on the inside of me. Um, and I just in that instant, I just said, no, I am absolutely not putting up with this. So if you remember in Mark chapter 11, you remember when Jesus walked up to the fig tree and he was going to get some fruit off of it and there was none? So he actually talked to the tree and cursed it. And then the next day they came by, by there and Peter, you know, it flipped his wig and he couldn't believe that it actually responded to words. It responded to the Word of God, all right? So natural things we see in that instance. Now, again, also think about Mark chapter 4. There's a storm coming. They're freaking out. They think they're going to die. Jesus is taking a nap, and they say, Master, don't you care? We're all about to die. Jesus comes out, and in the King James, he said, Peace, be still. And instantly, the winds stopped, and, and the waves stopped roaring and all that. And they said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? So again, natural things responded to the Word of God. And why shouldn't they? They were created by the Word of God. God said, let there be, and there was. All right. So in that instant, and let me clarify that, they respond to the Word of God. They don't respond. All right. So there was a woman who had a Bible college in Texas uh, many years ago. Word of Faith woman, she ran a Bible college, and she heard something about the Word of Faith, and she got turned on to the Word of Faith. You can believe in your heart and say with your mouth, and you'll have what you believe. You'll receive it. And so she got um, enamored with Kenneth Copeland and was going to start claiming Kenneth Copeland as her husband. Believe in her heart and speak with her mouth that Kenneth was going to be her husband, but, but the barrier between that uh, was Gloria Copeland, Kenneth's wife. <laughs> and so... She started doing what Jesus did to the fig tree. She started cursing Gloria Copeland and commanding her to die. All right? Well, see, she doesn't have Scripture for that. So we don't just have what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth. We have 
what we believe in our heart and say with our mouth in accordance to God's Word. <laughs> Are you following me? All right, so I don't have the right to uh, say, in the name of Jesus, I believe in my heart and, and say with my mouth, I claim that Adrian's going to have blonde hair before we leave here today. Woo! Well, she may not want blonde hair. All right, so I can't just go claiming, you know, stuff like that, hokey stuff, okay? It's got to be in accordance with God's Word, and there are certain laws that govern the realm of God's faith, just like electricity. There are certain laws and principles that, that govern the operation of electricity. The same things apply to God's Word. Are you with me? Okay, so that day, there's that stinking flu devil or flu bug. It don't matter uh, who it is or what it is. It was just didn't feel too good, and so I started speaking to it. And I got mad. I kind of got mad about it. So I said, flu, I'm not accepting you today. You don't have any right to my body. I don't accept you. Again, I think I was alone. If I wasn't, somebody either thinks I'm nuts or learned something. I don't know. But I got healed either way, bless God. And it took me about, I think it took me about 30 minutes. It may have been a little less than that. But I just took a bold stand on God's Word. Flu symptoms, right now, I rebuke you. I resist you. I curse you at your roots. And I command you to leave my body now in Jesus' name. All right? And it took me, uh, I think it was a little less than 30 minutes. But I'll just say 30 minutes. And that thing totally left me. And that was awesome, and I was really happy about it, all right? So as a believer, I have a right to take God's Word and apply it to my life, amen? So again, my new nature is compatible with God's Word. So the power of God's Word is powerful enough to create all that is. In, in, I say all that is, I mean in original creation, Uh Obviously, some things happened as a result of the fall. Bad things God didn't create. Bad things, he's not the author of bad things. You follow me? So, just like Jesus, as a child of God, could take the power of God's Word from within him and release it outside of him, and things would happen, we too have that same power, God-given ability and authority. Amen? All right. Now, um, yesterday... Ugh, Yesterday, and I shared with you guys last week, I had walking pneumonia, I forget now, four to four weeks, uh, and yeah, about a month, and then I had something after that for about two weeks, and being the good son-in-law that I am, I shared it with Linda, and we had a good time, hallelujah. So I was sick for about six, six weeks, and it really vacuumed the whole time, all right? Um, and yesterday, I'm sitting at the house, I had to work, and I come home, and I'm absolutely exhausted. I didn't feel like getting up. I felt miserable the whole time I was at work. I felt cruddy when I came home. And so Kara makes me some coffee. I'm drinking my Starbucks there. And I'm not thinking anything about it, but I start getting really hot. And so Kara, about 15 minutes later, maybe more, comes in there uh, and sits next to me and says something to the effect of, my God, you're burning up. Do you feel hot? And I said, yeah. I just didn't think, you know, I didn't. I just thought maybe it was the coffee, but, and so I get up, I get some, uh, some germ killer and stuff, I start spraying a few things, and Kara sprays London, and I run downstairs to my hole to get away from the, the I didn't want to share, the, share that blessing again, you know, and so as a matter of fact, Linda, you, you heard me, I sneezed probably six or seven times, and then I, that's when I started getting really hot, and then about the time Kara said something to me, I started getting chills, and I started getting hot and cold, hot and cold. I go downstairs. I put an electric blanket on me, hot and cold, hot and cold. I start getting nauseous. I start getting dizzy. And then, just like that time with the flu, though, 
about 15 or 20 minutes of that, I just got mad at the devil. Got mad at the devil. And again, I would recommend it sometimes. <laughs> All right? So we don't need to play nice, play patty cake with the devil. He's a flake. We need to run him off. And so, I don't know, I just, I'd had enough, man. I mean, six weeks is enough. <laughs> it's, it's too much. I'd had enough of it, all right? And so I'm sitting down there, and I really don't, in my head, I started to think, well, I wonder, I wonder if they can hear me, but then I thought, I don't even care. I'm just so sick of the devil. I'm just, sickness does not come from God, and I'm generally very exceptionally healthy anyways, and I don't have to... Uh, when I'm sick for six weeks and it's trying to come on me again, uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out this is the devil. This isn't just natural stuff. This is the devil. So, again, I just got mad at the devil. Now, I could have said, devil, woogity boogity, you know, boo, get out of here, all right? But there's no authority in that. Now, think with me. I have authority as a believer, all right? But, but again, and I'm emphasizing this, and I hope I'm getting it across uh, accurately, my faith and my authority are in God's Word. So I have the faith of God on the inside of me. Romans chapter 12 says we do. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says we do. A lot of other places do. It says we have the faith of Jesus Christ within us. Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, you have the faith of God on the inside of you. So we don't just have a version of faith. I don't just have Jordan faith. You don't just have Joel, Adrian, Chris, Tamara, everybody else faith. We've got his faith. And thank God his faith works. Amen. Galatians 5, 6 says, faith works by love. So that's when my faith is, is based upon God's love for me. But thank God, praise God, faith works. All right? So within me yesterday, I got mad at the devil again. And it took me maybe 10 minutes, and that was it. I was down there. Dan, you would have loved it. I'm down there. I'm starting to feel sick as a dog, and I'm watching Gilligan's Island. Hallelujah. And me and Gilligan and Jesus ran that stuff off of me. And I, it took me about maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And I just, that's, that's what I always do. I just, because here's what I, you know, I'm thinking like, man, I, I was sick for six weeks. Here this stuff comes again. I'm exhausted. Sometimes, it's very rare that I've done this, but there have been a few times where I just thought, I'm too tired to fight this. I'm just going to lay down and ride this one out and, and try to numb it, numb it off with enough medicine. And I'll thank God for being my healer after I get through with this one. I know he is, but I just don't feel like fighting this dumb thing. I'm going to lay in bed for a week. I know you've never done that. Hallelujah. But I have. <laughs> so that's what, I, you know, but I thought about, I thought, my God, here we go again. I'm too tired for this. And, of course, that's just the devil whispering a bunch of nonsense in my ears. Now, you know, the book of 2 Corinthians the Apostle Paul said this. He said, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. You ever heard that verse or read that verse? That word devices in the Greek, it's literally the Greek word thoughts. So the devil absolutely can interject thoughts into our realm of thinking. But here's what he does. The devil won't come up to you and say, uh, you're getting sick. He'll, he'll put it in first person. I'm getting sick. The devil won't come up to you and say, you won't hear the words, uh, God doesn't love you. You've missed it too many times. You'll hear the words, God doesn't love me. I've missed it too many times. He'll put it in, the devil will put it in first person and make you think that you're the one originating those thoughts when we're not. Amen? So, again, you know, for me yesterday, and we're running out of time here, did I tell you to turn to Hebrews 4? 
Okay, let me read these verses to you here, and, and then I'll interject this with what we're talking about here. Check this out. Hebrews chapter 4. Uh, let's just start here in verse 10. Hebrews 4 is so good, I can't hardly stand it, but we'll just start here in verse 10. For he that has entered into his rest, that's the believer entering into God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works. Hallelujah. As God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Lest Now think about this. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Okay, uh, how do I not fall into the realm of unbelief? Verse 12, for the word of God. There's the answer. Now think about this with me, guys. Faith and the word of God are synonymous. Does that make sense? So Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I put the word into my heart, then I am literally putting faith into my heart. So I don't have to put the word in and then try to conjure up enough faith. If I put the word in, I'm putting faith in. Amen? That's pretty good, huh? Takes a lot of the stress off. That Just like this verse says, he says, we, we cease from our own works. So it's not my responsibility to conjure up faith and to somehow stay out of unbelief through my own works. The remedy to stay out of unbelief and my own works is to put the Word in. And the Word causes me to enter into the realm of faith and to enter into the realm of rest. Amen? Let's keep reading here. For the Word of God, verse 12, the Word of God is living. The King James says quick. You could say it's living or you could say it's life-giving. I like that. Now think about that. The Word of God is living or life-giving. So if there is an area of death in my life, I can apply the Word of God to it and it'll put life to it. So yesterday sickness came. I put the Word of God to it. Life came. As a matter of fact, Linda, I don't know, I think you, it was in the car and in the house. I'd been kissing on London and holding him, and he started sneezing too. He, he probably sneezed uh, probably a good four or five, six times himself. And so when I had already prayed for myself, we, went, we got into the car, started to leave, had to turn around. Kara had to run in the house and get the laptop. So London and I were in the car, and then I laid hands on him, and I prayed for him too because he sneezed out in the car again. I thought, yeah, he was sneezing too, laid hands on him. He, he either didn't sneeze again after that, or he may have sneezed one more time after that, and that was it. Hallelujah. So, so we take an area where there's death, and we apply life to it. So I know this is kind of like basic, but how do you apply words? You speak them. <laughs> I know. that's really, are, are you following me? So speaking God's Word is what I'm trying to say. It is the, really the primary way. We, we, we read it, meditate it, put it in our own heart, and then we release the power of God's Word, the life-giving, living, powerful uh, uh, ability of God's Word by putting it in our heart, speaking it out of our mouth. Amen? Now let's read the rest of the verse here. The Word of God is, is living, life-giving, powerful, hallelujah, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing in half, the dividing asunder in half, of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. Look at that. Spirit, soul, and body. 
Though I can apply the Word of God to any area of my life, spirit, soul, or body. Hallelujah. He says, and it's a discerner, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I really don't want to read all the rest of this, but it's so good. We're just going to do it for fun. All right? Finish out the chapter here. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Now, this is a verse that people used to scare people with because they don't know what they're talking about. God sees everything you're doing. Uh, you can fool the preacher. You can fool your spouse, but you can't fool God. That's what they try to use. That's not what this verse is saying. He is saying the fact that we, we can't hide from God is a good thing, not a scary thing. Let's keep reading. But all things are naked and open unto him with whom we have to do. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities and our weaknesses and our inabilities, but was in all points tempted just like we are, yet he without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore in all of our weakness, in all of our sin, all of our sickness, all of our depression, all of our poverty, when, when the devil throws uh, hell and the kitchen sink at us, he says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of God's unmerited favor, the throne of God's grace, that we may obtain mercy and receive the grace that we help, need, need to help us in our time of need. Ain't that good? Somebody say woo or something. Come on. Amen. All right. We're getting ready to close here. And I uh, have preached myself happy. Let me uh, show you one more thing as we dismiss. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I hope. I think that's where I want to go. Let me see here. Okay, yes. Matthew chapter 8. Let me encourage you guys. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on what's, what's the, which, which area needs it the most. But be adamant in applying, speaking God's Word. Uh, to, in, you know what I'm saying? Speak God's word to those. Don't give up on it. Don't say I tried it for three weeks and it didn't really ha- nothing really happened, and so uh, I guess it just doesn't work sometimes. Or don't don't let's not do that. I mean, I've had to stir it up within me. To uh, it, it's it's easy to do. I, I don't know. It's just it's easy to do it in spurts. Let me say it that way. It's easy for me sometimes in spurts to kind of get lax about it. You know what I mean? I don't like to. I don't like to be so goofy about it that I, that I I go around and I can't even talk to people because I'm too busy, you know, quoting scriptures or can, you know, Jordan, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored, hallelujah, you know. <laughs> like L- Linda uh, saw that Amish guy one time and what 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 was it? Uh, the light of the world. What was that whole? Was that an Amish guy? No, no. I, well, you don't have to say who it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. You guys were going on a hayride. And yeah, 
<laughs> so you're going on a hayride, and it's dark, and you got little ones. Yeah, that, so I, I'm saying let's not be like that. <laughs> let's not be so goofy about it, you know what I mean, that we can't relate to the world around us. But I'm telling you, you know, I taught on this probably two months ago-ish uh, on some things similar to this about just taking a bold stand and speaking God's Word. And it blessed me immensely. The next day, I think, it may have been a few days, I don't remember, but sometime shortly thereafter, I saw Daniel was at the house at Linda's and shared with me how, like the next day, I think he did it and just spent some time. Uh, do you remember what it was? You were, you, were, you were speaking God's Word. I don't remember what scripture, something about joy maybe. But Dan, Dan told me, you know, I, basically, I, I applied uh, what you taught there. And he said, man, it, my whole day was just, I felt better. I, you, know, you remember telling me that, Dan? Yeah, so it was, it does. It will bring a tangible difference. I'm telling you. Now, I want you to listen to me adamantly. You can look and do it every day, but just trying to catch what I'm saying here. It, it's, think about this. Victory in any sphere in our Christian, our spiritual life. So let me, let me break it down more. Healing, miracles, uh, receiving supernatural financial help, uh, answered prayers and a breakthrough, if you want to. They don't happen on accident. You, you understand? There are t- yes, there are times when uh, you go to a, a meeting where, the, where there's a minister who has a wonderful gift on their life, and there are skeptics there. there there's even people... Um, I've heard of stories of people who were unbelievers who went to the meetings to, to disrupt. I think it was Brother Hagen one time uh, on his way to the service. It may have been when he got there, uh, but I think it was before he went. Either way, it was supernatural. Three uh, homosexual men came to the service specifically to disrupt the service and to, to mock God and mock the minister and all of that stuff. And the Lord uh, showed Brother Hagen what was going to happen before he ministered. And uh, he got out there and, and just addressed them and said, oh, yeah, by the way, you three gentlemen here, the Lord shows me that you're homosexuals and you just came here to mock God and interrupt the service. I think two of them got saved and one ran out scared. You know, I mean, it was, you know, but listen, it's um, these things don't happen on accident is what I'm trying to say. Even if a skeptic or even if a person who doesn't know about healing but is a believer or whatever, you know, people go to Benny Hinn meetings all the time with a desire to get healed, and they do. Some people going there, they don't know the first thing in the world about healing, but their friend drug them there, and they get healed. You know what I'm saying? But even if from their vantage point it was, it was effortless, Benny Hinn pressed into God, and it walks in that power. So from his vantage point, you understand what I'm saying? Things don't happen on accident. Did you ever notice that you didn't get saved until you got saved? It's the same thing with these. It didn't just happen. It didn't fall on you. Oh, what was that? Salvation. Oh, okay, great. You know, it's like you hear it and, and faith comes and, and you release faith into that. So these things don't happen um, on accident. It doesn't happen by our works, but God has given us a free will. And just like I choose to walk into salvation and receive that free gift, I too can choose to walk in God's hand of healing, God's hand of provision. Are you out there? In all of these types of things. And uh, let me read this to you in real close. This is so good. I don't think I've, I, you know, from the word of faith, I've heard this preached a thousand times, and I think I'm the only person who I've ever heard preach it right. Okay, that was kind of a joke, but I'm the only person <laughs> who's ever, that I recall that I've ever heard it. This is, is, you just say this 
scripture here and word of, first, word of faith people will say, you know, that's right, that's a teaching on authority. I've read this, and I, and I never see anything really about authority in this. Jesus is telling us how faith works. And we're going to look at this here, so stick with me. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, real quickly. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Now look at this. But speak the word only. That's awesome. There, there's, you know, for me, whenever there was that eight months after I got saved, the Lord healed me, set me free. But there was that eight months to where all I could do was speak the word only. My spirit said I'm a new creation. My brain said get an Oxycontin, a needle, a lighter, and let's get high. My mind and body remembered what that was like. You understand? So there was time. I couldn't negotiate about it. I couldn't say, well, the word says I'm free. Oh, but I don't feel like it. I mean, my back was against the wall, man. And it was just, I could speak the word only. Couldn't speak what I uh, thought. Couldn't speak what I felt. I had, it was that, for me, it was that desperate. All I could do was speak the word, no compromise. He said, speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Verse 9, he said, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. He says, I, he said, I say to this man, go, and he goes. He said, I say it, all right? He said, I say to another man, come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Verse 10, now check this out. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Whew, I like that. That tells me I can make Jesus marvel. Now what's Hebrews chapter 11 say? Without faith. It's impossible to please him. I heard Brother Hagin teaching on that one time, and he said, isn't it inter interesting that it does not say without good works it's impossible to please him? He said, as important as, as important as good works are, they're not what pleases God. What pleases God, at the core, there has to be faith in the equation, at the core. All right? It says, Jesus marveled and said to them who followed, he said, verily, I say unto you, I have not found such a great revelation of authority. No, that's not what he says. He said, I've not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. Now, this man was a Gentile. And so that's what he's saying. He said, all these Jews who have a covenant, who are supposed to know something about God, I've not found one in my personal experience yet who understands faith like this man does. And, verse 11, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, the Gentiles, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, in other words, they'll be in the outer darkness, and uh, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, because they, they, they never put faith in Jesus. That's what he's saying. That's not really the point, though. Verse 13, and Jesus said unto the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed... That's faith. As you've faithed, as you've believed, so it be it unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now that man, I'm telling you, he understood faith. And we're closing. He said, Jesus, I have a, uh, I'm a centurion, so I have a servant under me. He said, and I say to him, go, and he goes. So what that centurion was saying, Jesus, I understand that as soon as I say something, it's as good as done. And see, that's faith. Faith is twofold. Faith is of the heart and of the mouth.
And so Jesus said, I've never seen, I've not met one Jewish person who understood faith like this. And he's teaching us that's, that's the essence of faith. You believe God's word in your heart. You speak it out of your mouth. And whether you see instantaneous results or not, we believe that the word of God is working and bringing life to that situation. Amen? Woo! Boy, that makes me happy, happy, happy. Stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.